Well, I'm glad y'all are here today. Amen. And don't forget to come back tonight. Uh, be able to follow up with that, but praise the Lord. Uh, Brother Ivan, can you come on up? And I want to just, y'all, come on up. Go, and, and I want to bless y'all. You know, if there's anybody here today, and this is the first time you've ever uh, met Ivan and Kimberly Tate, uh, they're amazing, awesome people. We've known each other for 25 plus years, been working around the world, building churches, building orphanages, ministries, doing things like that forever. I, I love these people. The reason why I love them is because these people, through hardship and everything else that goes on with just a normal life, they've willing to lay their lives down to preach the gospel, and they've done it all their whole life, hauling a trailer around, raising their kids in the ministry, raising their kids on the road, uh, getting on a plane, flying off uh, every every week somewhere, going to Guatemala, ministering here, doing this, getting this, somebody's some idiot's doing something wrong. Somebody's doing something to hurt them. Somebody's doing all these things, yet they still stand here faithful. They still stand here and their kids aren't crazy. Well, you know, I mean, you know, that's just the normal. They, exactly. Uh, you know, they're, 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 they're honest. They're, they're upright. They're forthright. They're good. They have integrity. And I'm just so blessed that we as a church, that they came across our path. I'm so glad that, you know, one day y'all just chose to drive by the road and there it was and the Holy Ghost set the whole thing up because I believe and I know that our lives are enriched by knowing them and being in their lives. And so, so we're so blessed, you know, that this church is just amazing. The things that are doing on, I told them about Kenya at the first of the year that we wanted to do something. Uh, just my heart was in it. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to go to Kenya. Never wanted to go to Kenya. You'd tell me about the trips. They'd come on and go to Kenya with them. I don't want to go to Kenya, you know. Long flights. You know, just, nothing's fun. And I didn't want to do it. But then all of a sudden in December, just the, the, something started happening. The Lord just started just making a burden on my heart for the, the ministry over there and what was going on. And then when Andrea and Bethany were here and they shared, then they shared some pictures with me. Then my, I mean, it was just sunk. And so I decided that I was going to, I was going to kill it. And so I came to the church and I said, one Sunday morning, I said, look, I want to show you all these pictures. You know, what do y'all think? And everybody's like, oh, we've got to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, here we go. So praise God. Amazingly through miracles, signs and wonders, these awesome people, here is the final payments to get, all the property bought. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. So God bless y'all. Thank y'all for all the things that y'all do. Uh, man, y'all are amazing. And I love y'all. So. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate it so much. You're going to have to talk, darling. Crying or not crying. Because you're braver than I am. Here you go. Thank you. I'm a very unemotional person normally. Thank you so much. Um, you know these kids in Africa, they're just like kids here. They want to eat. They want a chance. They deserve it. Thank you. Please come with us. And let me just tell you a little story. I didn't want to go to Africa either. And when I turned 60, I'm 64, when I turned 60, there was this huge relief on my birthday, and I'm like, what is that about? And I'm like, you know what? I really believe God's not going to ask me to go to India anymore, because after 60, you just don't have to listen to that, right? <laughs> the church that we were 
a part of at the time always took teams to India, and I was like, I'm not going to pray about this. I'm not going to pray about this. I'm not. So I never did go to India, and I'm so grateful. Now I'm over 60, and he's never going to ask me to. But <laughs> I just know it. But I got to tell you, and he's don't. I'm not even going to say that. But um, last year when we went to Africa. My 77-year-old sister came with us, and I was shocked because she's a homebody. She's got a little puppy dog, and you know, she made it, and it was fun, and we got to see giraffes. See, I'm stirring you up here, you know. Yes, there's orphans. Yes, there's puppy, but there's also giraffes, and there's wildlife, and there's lions, Robert, and there's all kinds of really cool things, but... Uh, on one of our trips that we went, you'll love Kenya, you'll love Kenya, but on one of our trips, we went to, uh, we were visiting house to house, but they're not houses, they're little hovels of mud and sticks and cloth over the doors, and that's tattered, and so don't think of a subdivision. <laughs> There's not even roads or sewage in the streets. Like 10% of the population is employed. So lots of thousands of people just sitting on the dirt roads and wandering around with the animals and the everything and, and the children. And, um, and so we were going to these little hovels to witness and to talk about Jesus. And I had this one man with me that was determined to take me to this one hovel back in the middle of somewhere, who knows where. I've got a real good directional sense, but I was lost in this little turn, that little turn down here, up there. And they're not really roads, and they're not really mapped. There's no grid, right? It's just somebody built a house, and you go around it. And So we ended up at this house, this little hovel place, and this very pregnant girl comes out with this guy, and we found some place to sit on something. I have no idea what we sat on. And this man asked me to talk, tell them about Jesus. So I'm like, okay, well, have you ever heard of Jesus? And they said, I think he lives, they're talking in Swahili, so it was all interpreted. I think he lives in the village about 30 miles down the road. I said, oh, okay, well, have you, has anybody ever talked to you about God? God. Yeah, I've heard he lives over there, and they thought it was his first name. They had no clue. Isn't that amazing? I was shocked. I, this fear of God came over me, and I'm like, I'm going to introduce these people to you? What do I even start? I don't want to mess them up right off the bat, right? You don't want to start with some religious phrase, you know? You just want to, like, what is the purest thing I could ask them? You know, Holy Spirit, you know. So anyway, we started with, what would you all say? Ah, but they don't even know God. God lives in the village three miles away. So I asked them what would happen when they die. And you know they have the knowledge of good and evil. From the Garden of Eden... They have the knowledge of the tree of good and evil where Adam started it, right? And they, they thought they didn't know anything about the good part, of course. The devil doesn't want to say that part. But they knew that when they die, they were going to go to some very dark, deep, horrible place. 
And so we started there with that awareness that they had of sin, but they didn't even know they were aware of sin. And they knew they were bad for some reason. So we started there. In the end, they, they just couldn't believe that someone died for them. Someone loved them enough to give his life and to, to close that door to hell and death and despair and to open eternity in heaven for them. And they, they were so filthy dirty. And here I am white. You know, when you go to Kenya, you're not the same color. And we're in this hovel place, and they're not only a very dark. I, I don't know if we, I know we, everybody in America, we call them African-Americans, but they're not really African-Americans. We're all so mixed. We're all going to end up brown. Let's just, you know. And so they're, everybody is so mixed here. But there they really are African. And they're very dark and very beautiful, and they're all shiny. And so when you're with them, you I stand out. Not only gray hair, white skin, but I stood out. And so we're sitting here talking, and they're crying and crying. And their skin is getting cleaner and cleaner. Mine's getting dirtier and dirtier because I'm wiping with my hands, and it's dirty and muddy. And we ended up almost the same color. But <laughs> it was fun, and I, they were so precious. and. I just say that story to you to encourage you to go because God calls us to the ends of the earth. And I really felt like I was at the ends of the earth where no one had heard about God. And it's, it's amazing to go to that place. You know, we invite people to church, our neighbors, and they've heard it all their lives. They're like, mm, I'm busy. I got, a, you know, I got some hot dogs in the, on the stove and I don't have time to come. You go to Kenya, and they're like, you came all the way to tell me about God? Why would you do that? And they're so open. Oh, it's just amazing. You just have to experience it. Quickly, I'm going to tell you about two little girls in Guatemala. The first one is Karen, and I just want to ask you if we could pray this morning as a church for her. She came with her sister, Carolina, many, many, many years ago. She's just a little bitty tyke. She's grown up at Casan Helena. And as she's grown up, they detected a heart murmur a couple years back. And um, lots of times, lots of people have heart murmurs. You grow out of it, or it doesn't affect you. But Karen's has gotten bigger. And so after three... Um, three uh, doctors examining her and all of these things, different opinions. She's, she's uh, on for an open-heart operation, and they can't do a stint, and they can't do this and that. This is open her chest, open heart. So, you know, if that's how God wants to heal her, we're fine. But there's something in me that just says, you know, he can heal her. We've seen spinal bifida healed. We've seen so many things healed. And I'd just like you to agree with us this morning because you guys have so much faith for everything. And so if you wouldn't mind standing for just a moment and joining hands, and we're going to declare healing for Karen. Do you want to pray, sweetheart, or do sure. you want me to? No, I want you to. Oh, okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now 
for what Jesus did on the cross for Karen. And we command that hole in her heart to be closed, for her heart to grow properly, for it to function properly, God, and for there be no need for an operation. Thank you so much for your love for Karen, for rescuing her, delivering her, keeping her safe, and everything you've done for her and everything Jesus has purchased on the cross for her and for Carolina and the kids at Casa and Helena. God, we just agree with you that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus right now. Amen. Amen. We have one other girl that... Um, just came to Casa and Helena I want to tell you about with her brother and sister. They've been there for one week. Her name, the oldest one is Veronica. The middle little boy is Julian, and the little girl is Priscilla. Julian is 10, Priscilla is 8, Veronica is 13, and 24 weeks pregnant. And um, she is an emaciated little thing, and we just want to, you to keep Veronica in her prayers as she, she was abused, and she was pregnant at 12, and she doesn't even know what's going on in her. And um, we want this baby to be born healthy, Veronica to deliver uh, in, and maintain her health as well and come back. You can see how pale she is. She's super anemic, but she's already there a week. She's been to church, asked Jesus into her heart, cried every day since she's been there, finally feels safe for the first time in her life. I wish I could show you a current picture, but this is the day they came a week ago. Thank you for everything you do so much. God bless you. All right. There you go. That was awesome. Praise the Lord. We want to say one more thing about the Africa thing as well, that that money is going to, um, to buy some new property where we're building a giant feeding center. And right now we feed about 1,500 kids at different levels um, every, every month. But our, our first goal is to feed 1,000 children a day. That's our first goal. Then our, our next goal is to feed 5,000 children a day because this is in the slums and we already have built a church there and a, a, another feeding center. And now we're really going to build a big, big thing there. There's uh, 2 million people all around that in those slums and easily 400,000 orphans on the streets. I mean, they just run around everywhere. It's just a very poor, sad thing. But that money buys that property, and, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to start doing that. Feed them, get them saved, and fill with the Holy Spirit. And uh, many of them will become preachers. We already have a really good staff there, very anointed people running the church, doing all that. Uh, and it's just a big blessing and a big answered prayer. And, for everybody that contributed to that, thank you very much for doing it. We never, we never limit Living Waters Church by the normal brain limitations of reality. When it comes to Living Waters Church, we actually have taken the limits off and said, 
we have no idea what these people might do. But whatever it is, let's just watch and freak out. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So needless to say, me and my wife, Kimberly, and all of our children and grandchildren adore you. Praise the Lord. And uh, really appreciate it a lot. Really appreciate it a lot. Well, let's, in the time we have left, let's go to Revelation chapter 2. And let me minister the Word of God to you this morning, and then again tonight in part two of this. This message that I'm about to share, in my opinion, is the most important message God has ever given me in the 47 years that I have been preaching. To me, what I'm about to share with you now is actually the secret key that makes Christianity work, and that makes all the hard things in your area easy. It's the thing that if you can manage it and perfect it and understand it, makes the devil go away out of your soul. It what heals relationships. It's what gives you victory over the people that sometimes you want to hurt. It's all the different issues that go on in your life that make you unhappy. All the things you can't tell people about. Maybe some of the addictions you might have. All of those will go away. All of the problems you have in your own nature as a human being concerning yourself, all that will go away. Uh, any kind of circumstances or situations that are unpleasant, all of that will shrink in its power and importance. And many of the things in your life that you can't get over, you will simply get over them quickly. This, to me, what I'm about to share with you, is really the center of Christianity. Now, last time I was here, I preached on the Jesus-centered life. And if you haven't heard that, I think you can get it off the website of the church. And, and so here, what I'm wanting to share with you here is, to me, the one thing that separates Christians in the sense of those that succeed, those that fail, those that are happy, and those that are unhappy, those that are like Jesus and those that are not like Jesus. Because as you know, just going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Any more than being in a, a cookie jar, putting your hand in a cookie jar makes your hand a cookie. Praise the Lord. So you know that not everybody in church is the same. There are good and bad in the kingdom of God. And there are bad people who go to church all their lives. They never miss church. They're in church for 30 and 40 years till they die, and then they don't go to heaven because they weren't really Christians. How does that work? All of these kind of things is what I want to share with you today. So reading out of the book of Revelation chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false, and you have perseverance, and have endured for my namesake, and have not grown weary. So first of all, uh, the first thing he says, 
This is the Holy Spirit talking now, and he's talking to a church. All of these people are saved. They're all Christians. They're not bad Christians either. These are not your standard, ungodly, fornicating, perverting, backstabbing, immoral, throat-cutting, gossiping, hurtful, hateful, cold, mean, religious, cold-blooded type of Christian. Okay, so we're not talking about those. We're not, that's not who he's talking to. He lists their credentials. And he gives seven credentials. So these are like the top of the line of Christians. They hate evil and won't tolerate it. That's a very powerful thing to, to be labeled by the Holy Spirit. You hate evil and you won't tolerate it. He says you persevere and endure and you don't get tired and weary of doing the right thing. You're not stumbling over things. You are walking with me. You are working for me. You are serving me. You endure. Your deeds are really good deeds. You're doing a lot of good things for me. You're very amazing people. Uh, if people just look at you, they would say, wow, what an amazing church full of these good people doing all these good things. These, this is who we're talking about. So we're not talking about people with reefers in their back pocket or cocaine in their left pocket or heroin in their right pocket or, you know, somebody plotting to go and do something bad to somebody or somebody hitting on somebody's wife or hitting on somebody's husband or things of that nature. These are not the people we're talking about. These are the best of the best of the best. These are the people that are going to serve God till they die. They're not going to get be weary in serving God. They're going to just keep serving God. They're going to be at church every time the door is open. They're going to do all those good things. They are very good people. Very good people. And he's talking to them like that. And he's saying all these amazing things about them. This, this is including preachers. As you know, not every preacher is a preacher because he loves God. Some preachers are preachers because it's the only job they can actually do. Or they've been in it so long that it's what they make their living at. It's not related to their relationship with God. It's related to like any man or woman that goes out there and has a profession and works at that job till they retire. And then they retire, then they go do whatever else they want to do. It's not based... On not those kind of relationships are not based on an intimate relationship. They are based on simply what is the most reasonable, profitable, legal thing that I can do with my life, survive and feed my family. So there are many people like that. But this, then he says, but I have something against you that you have left your first love. Now, the key to everything in Christianity, the key that makes the Bible come alive, the key that releases the powers of God, the abilities of God, the miracles of God, the thing that heals you, that makes you healthy, that makes you mentally sound, that makes you emotionally stable, that causes you to be able to get over anything anybody says bad about you or somebody you love or hurts you in any way. The thing that does that is you being in love with Jesus in the most personal and intimate way. Now, 
Because I said that, some of your minds go to a phraseology Christianity, which is, of course, I love God. But don't decide that yet until I give you the evidence. And then you decide if you really love Jesus. Because after all, ladies and gentlemen, think about this. How can you love somebody you cannot see? And how can you love somebody you cannot feel or touch, who has no hands, no audible voice? And if you don't figure those things out, then everything about Christianity becomes different and changes completely. That's why you can have people in church for 20 or 30 years who are doing bad things the whole time. They don't love Jesus. That is the bottom line. You really can't hurt someone over and over again and love Jesus. There's many things that when you love Jesus, you can't do any longer because you love Jesus. The effects of loving Jesus are so powerful and so life-changing and so uh, changing even of your DNA that it actually changes your entire motivations for living. It actually changes your ethics. It changes your morals. It changes the way you think about people who are not good who are lost, who are bad, who hurt you, who lie about you. It changes your entire personality. Your actual personality changes. All because you are having a relationship with Jesus that is so tangible and so real and so personable and so loving and so impacting that it's actually changing the chemistry of your body and the chemistry of your soul. If you do not have this, then you are, might be in danger of really not even knowing God and having many different kinds of relationships with many different kinds of Jesus. Praise the Lord. So it says, listen to what it says, therefore remember from where you have fallen. He's actually saying that not having a love relationship with Jesus means you're fallen. Even though you're doing everything right, and everything good. So this, what we're talking about, Christianity, is about loving Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus. So in a minute, I'm going to give you the test of how you know if you love something. Praise the Lord. And if you can figure out how you know you love something, then you can figure out if you love God and love Jesus more than just loving the idea of God. Many Christians love the idea of God, and so they're faithful to God. They love the who God is, what God has done, and what they believe God is going to do. They love that, and their love for God is based on respect and honor on who God is, on who Jesus is, and all that. But it doesn't get down to the personal relationship level. So think about it like this in Matthew 7, 21. In the last days, many people will say to me, did we not do miracles in your name, cast out devils in your name, and did we not do many mighty works and mighty deeds in your name? And then he will say to them, depart from me, workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. Again, the emphasis on the relationship, not on the deeds. Think about what I'm saying. That just made a lot of sense. So here you have people who are in the church because you don't learn how to prophesy and do miracles and cast out devils if, you're not, if you haven't spent a lot of time in church. 
You don't just read a book and then do that. Prophesying, doing miracles. How many of you can do miracles? Casting out devils. How many of you can cast out devils? You can't just walk up to a devil-possessed person and cast out devils unless you have been trained in those things. These men and women, or whoever they are, they have been trained in Christianity and on the principles of faith, and they understand how faith works. They've been taught it, yet they maintain a double life of iniquity, and they did not have an intimate love relationship with God. This is serious. For all of us that call ourselves Christians today, and for all of us that are a little bit disappointed in the fruit or results that you might be getting out of your relationship with God. Praise the Lord. So, my job as a preacher is not to tickle your ears, but to give you something that transforms you and takes you to a place you have not been before. If I don't do that, then I'm wasting your time and also wasting my time. Praise the Lord. So go ahead and give somebody a hug and say, I could use $100. <laughs> Where you have fallen and repent, repent. So he's actually telling them, repent. Look at this. And do the deeds you did at first. So there's one thing they stop doing. They stop having a first love. Jesus stopped being the love of their life. They no longer had Jesus as the love of their life, though they were doing amazing deeds and working in church and serving in church and preaching and doing all those mighty deeds. But they did not have the love relationship intimately with God, which actually defines you as a Christian in heaven. Praise the Lord. You're defined by your relationship with God in heaven, not with a church. Not with things you do in church, and not even for things you do that are supernatural. But it's your relationship with Jesus. Well, let me give you this statistic, and you can look it up for yourself to verify what I'm saying. The average American Christian prays three minutes a day. Now, three minutes a day is not enough to have a relationship with somebody. That's only a minute for blessing breakfast, a minute for blessing lunch, and a minute for blessing dinner. That's not a relationship. If I only spoke to my wife three minutes a day, she would have an issue with me and consider me something other than a human being. Praise the Lord. But communicating, having conversations, having intimate exchanges of whatever kind defines a relationship. Praise the Lord. So here he says, depart from me, workers of iniquity. This is a heavy-duty statement, and he's not saying this to unbelievers. He's saying this to Christians. This is heavy-duty. Let's keep reading. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the... Here he gives him another attribute, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Praise the Lord. The word left, your first love, here's what it means. To abandon companionship as a husband divorces a wife. To forget the intimate beauties of that person. 
to let go of the loving memories with that person, to slide slowly away, to grow cold and distant, to grow accustomed to their presence, to forget the features of their face, and to lose the joy of being in their presence. That's what it means to leave your first love. And this is what he's telling them they have done. He said, oh no, you haven't abandoned my way of life, the Christian way. You haven't abandoned the cultural Christianity. You haven't abandoned uh, you know, the principles and systems of Christianity and the beliefs and the theology and the doctrines and the church and the programs and all the different things, but you don't love me anymore. This is a powerful thing to tell somebody. This is why I say this is the most important message God has ever given me. Now, how do you know if you love something? Because this is what we want to know, right? How many of you do not want to deceive yourselves and do not want to be deceived, right? So if you have church after church after church telling people that every bad thing they do is okay with God, that is bad. If you have church after church after church telling people nothing bad will happen to you when you do bad things, this is very, very dangerous. Praise the Lord. And these doctrines are all over the body of Christ, all over the church, all over the world. Very dangerous. Praise the Lord. If you love someone, the first way you know you love somebody is you can't stop talking about them. That's how you know you love somebody. Praise the Lord. Do you want to talk to me about my grandchildren? Prepare yourself for many details or forthcoming, large amounts of information, bodily functions of those children, looks of their eyes, their faces, different ways they walk, talk, little things they say about a lot of little things, stories of playing on the floor and ground with trucks and many other different things, and you will be bored to death. <laughs> because you do not love my grandchildren, because they are not your grandchildren, you do not know them. Praise the Lord. But for me, well, this is the joy of life. Praise the Lord. They call you Papa. Life is beautiful. <laughs> they want money, you give them the checkbook. They're only five years old. Go do whatever you want. Buy, the, buy a car. Because <laughs> you're unreasonable. You can't stop talking about people you love. If you really love Jesus, brothers and sisters, the sign that you love him is you can't stop talking about him to strangers. The way you know you don't love somebody is you never tell anybody about Jesus ever, and it never crosses your mind to do it because you do not love Jesus. That's all there is to it. It's not complicated. You love the idea of Jesus. You're faithful to that idea, but you stay within your little social system, rather than putting yourself in a place where you actually are overflowing with the wonder of the person that you actually love. Praise the Lord. Now, don't get offended, and don't get mad at me, and don't shoot me with your eyes, and don't throw the finger at me with your face. Praise the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. We're in church. Just be nice. I'm trying to help you out and make life more beautiful. Praise the Lord. Think about that. I probably shouldn't have said that, throw the fingers. I apologize ahead of time, Kim. Praise the Lord. Sorry. But think about it. But it just feels that way sometimes, you know. 
but, but anyway. So think about it for a second. If you love somebody, you want to talk about them. I went to preach in another state, somewhere in the United States. I'm walking up to the church. A usher is there. He's got a big, bright, happy look on his face. Brother Ivan! And he says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. I said, where are you taking me? i got to show you something. I said, okay. He was very enthusiastic, very happy, very excited. Takes me to the parking lot, and there is a beautiful classic truck, which he had rebuilt by himself from the ground up, which he's telling me, I built this from the ground up. It's taken me three years. It's worth $175,000. And it was glowing and lights were shooting out and aluminum, aluminum was, was, was shining and lights sparkling and everything. He said, you want to get in it? And I said, well, I don't know. It is, I'm not sure. It, it, it seems a little private because he was oozing over. I got in, I sat in there, it was a beautiful classic car, it was great, I like classic cars like any normal American man would, and I, I just, but when he got in, noises were made, movements were happening, transfer of affection was taking place as he hugged the wheel and, and moved on the chairs and made noise, and I said, man, I'm getting out of here, this is, this is, this is way, way, way too personal right here and intimate, this is, this is between you and the car, I'm out of here. Because when you love somebody, you're going to talk about it. When you love something, you're going to talk about it. Whether it's your child, your grandchild, your dog, your husband, your wife, your car, there is conversation that explodes out of you because you're in love with something. This is an important test that we're taking this morning to see if we even love Jesus anymore. Not if we're saved, not if we're going to go to heaven when we die. Those issues will probably be settled or probably settled for most of you. Not those issues, not if you're serving God, not if you're loyal, not if you're dependable, not if Pastor Robert can trust you to be at church and do your job till the day you die, because some of you are committed to that. That doesn't mean you love Jesus. That just means that this is the safest place on earth for you, and you want to help people and do good and all of those other things. And it doesn't mean you don't love Jesus either. Let's see what the test says. Praise the Lord. Hug two people and say, holla, holla. <laughs> so when you love somebody, you want everybody to meet them. Isn't that true? You want everybody to meet them. You're proud of them. And you show them off because you love them. I tell people everywhere I go about my wife. I tell them about my children. I tell them about Casa Helena. I tell them about my dog. And different things. I'm always talking about things like that. You're, you want to show off something you love. You're never ashamed of something you love. You're not ashamed to pray in public. You're not ashamed to talk about and say, I'm a Christian. I'm a born-again, I love Jesus, I love God, I believe in God, I'm not ashamed of that. 
And you're not ashamed either because when you love somebody, you're not ashamed of them. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they've even done. When you love somebody, that love is unconditional and you just love them. And you'll love them till the day you die. Who is it that visits the prisoners going to the electric chair in prison? Have you ever seen a father do that? No, it's always the mother. The mother is sitting there watching their son die in tears, telling them they love that son no matter matter what anybody else thinks about them, the mother cannot stop loving the child that was in her body. And even though everybody else is ashamed, they're not ashamed because love has no shame for something that it loves. Did you have mothers and fathers leaving their children, dropping them off somewhere, giving them away, all kinds of different things, hurting them? Murdering them, killing them, as this little girl, impregnating them. You'll never be happy. The Bible will never satisfy you. Christianity will never be enough. Jesus will never be enough if you do not have an intimate love relationship with him. It's not going to be enough for some of you. Some of you it will be because really you've never been bad ever. You, were, you drank milk all your life. You've never had liquor or beer or whiskey or alcohol. You've never been a drunk. You've never been in prison. You've never uh, you know, been in fights with people. You've never cussed. You've never done that. And that's before you were a Christian. But for the rest of you, the hell raisers and the people that are twisted on the inside who did not grow up morally, those of you that fought against an abusive father and an abusive mother and abusive brothers and sisters that have hurt you and they have broken you and they have cussed you out all your life and criticized you all your life and it led you to abusive, obsessive behavior in many ways, then you are the ones that the normal Jesus is not going to be enough because you see there's many different Jesus that people serve. You know you love somebody because sacrificing isn't a sacrifice, it's a privilege. When you love somebody, sacrificing for that person is not a sacrifice, it's a privilege. If you put your grandchildren here in the middle of, of the aisle, a, a, an African lion comes up and it's coming towards them, all the grandparents and the parents are not running out the windows and out the doors, they're jumping in front of that lion in the lion's mouth. All of them. 50 grandparents and parents are jumping on the line. Eat me, eat me. While their children escape. Because sacrificing is not a sacrifice when you love something. Serving Jesus is not hard when you love him. Obeying Jesus is not hard when you love him. Fasting, doing the things God tells you, forgiving people you don't want to forgive and don't deserve forgiveness and may even go to hell. It's not difficult when you love Jesus. But when you don't love Jesus, then justice rules your mind, not the love of God and not the impossibilities of the love of God that transcends right and wrong and goes into a level that is unexplainable. It's something you can only experience. There's no shame. 
You delight in their company. You love everything about them. You're addicted to their fellowship. You are not addicted to criticizing things you love or to being bored with people you love. You honor them. You love their personality, the sound of their voice. You never get enough of them. You want to learn everything you can about them. You never reject or abuse them because you love them. When you love Jesus, you're not going to do things to hurt Jesus or the kingdom of God or his servants or the church or anybody because you love. You're not going to hurt your own children if you love them. You will die for those children. You will protect those children. You will do whatever you've got to do to take care of those children. No sacrifice is too much to ask. Everything is totally for them because you love them. And anything you love, that's what you do. You are loyal. You are faithful. You honor and you respect because you love them. Many people do not love Jesus anymore. That's why there's so many fights and battles and splits and criticisms and fault-finding and accusations and betrayals and backstabbing and disloyalties and unkindness and merciless, cold-blooded criticisms and spreading of lies and anger and rage and falling asleep in church. <laughs> really? You don't fall asleep in the presence of somebody you love. Unless you work the double shift. Then you're allowed. Praise the Lord. Think about it. Look at seven people and say, I believe he's talking to you. <laughs> so when we're talking about Jesus and loving Jesus, who is invisible... How are you going to love somebody invisible? Most of people's relationship with Jesus is not the one the Bible teaches you're supposed to have because we don't know how to have it, which we will talk about tonight. How do you actually love Jesus when he's invisible, when he has no hands, when you can't see him, when you can't hear him, and all of that? That's what we'll go into tonight, and it'll change your world for the rest of your life. If you want it to, or you can stay home and watch TV, praise the Lord. Because remember, you rotate to the most tangible thing in your life. And that becomes your religion. Now, let's talk about the different kinds of Jesus. Because maybe you have the wrong Jesus. Everybody say it out loud. Will the real Jesus please stand up? Say that to somebody. Will the real Jesus please stand up? So we have a religious Jesus that only religious people can relate to. He wears robes, and he holds his hand in very peculiar manners, and he speaks in very religious tones, and certain people can relate to that, but there's no life in it. I know. I grew up with it, and I was never saved. I never felt Jesus at night or in the middle of the day or anything. I never had the presence of God. God never spoke to me. I was just terrified because for a lot of people, the Jesus they have that they can't love is religious. And people have a problem loving religious things unless they are religious. Then you have the murdering Jesus. This is the Jesus that kills your children. He murders your husband and your wife. He kills everybody in your family. And if you do something bad, he's going to come down and kill you. Because he's the murdering Jesus and you ought to be afraid of him. When you get drunk, he's going to kill you. Well, how can you love that Jesus? Is it really possible to love somebody who is a hitman? 
and actually sees everything you do 24 hours around the clock and you can't get away with anybody, you, with anything, you can't love somebody that's out to kill you. And that's why a lot of people don't go to church is because they've been taught the murdering Jesus. He will kill you for sneezing in church. We know that's not right. But that's the Jesus a lot of people have. They really believe that if they do bad things, God is going to hurt them or hurt one of their children or let some of their children die or some other evil thought like that. God doesn't kill children. He doesn't kill anybody. Praise God. He killed his own son so he could bring us resurrection power. Look at three people and say, holla, holla, that's what I'm talking about. You have the legalistic Jesus, which is very legalistic and has no mercy. And if you don't do things the way he wants you to do them, then you're going to suffer some sort of consequence. And he's very legalistic. Everything about him is very legalistic. Wear something on your hat or you are going to hell. Wear something on your head. Wear a particular kind of pants. You cannot have makeup, you hussy. The legalistic Jesus. Who's going to love him? And that's why so many don't go to church anymore. Because when you say, let's go to church, what are they hearing? Let's go to the legalistic Jesus. They're not going to church. Then you have the immoral Jesus. Now, this is a very interesting Jesus because with this Jesus, you can get away with everything. There's no consequences for anything you do. Sleep with everybody in church. But Jesus is fine with it. Praise the Lord. You're all forgiven. And you don't even have to repent. You're forgiven without repenting. A lot of people love this Jesus, and these sometimes can be very big churches. Because, of course, you want to be able to sin and get blessed for it. Because isn't that the desire of man since the Garden of Eden? Be able to sin all you want and get God's blessing for it? Because that's the gospel being preached by thousands of churches today. Just listen to what they say, and that's exactly what they're saying. They'll throw in, well, you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't do this. But even if you do, it's subliminal. And some of it is very in your face. He's not legalistic and won't kill you if you're immoral. He'll deliver you out of it. Because remember this thought. God does not condemn. He does not condone. He regenerates. So he doesn't condemn you for the bad things you do. He doesn't condone the bad things you do. He just changes you in the midst of it when you call out to him and have a relationship with him. He cleans out your DNA and turns you into another creature. But he's not over there pointing the finger at you. You got drunk last night. Who's going to come to church if they think that the preacher is going to make them feel bad for getting high and getting drunk? You can't do that because Jesus is here waiting. It's his supernatural power that invites all sinners to church. And you've got to have that cry in the church. Bring all the sinners, all the drunks, all the alcoholics, all the immoral people. Bring everybody. You're all welcome here and God loves you. And when God touches them, he changes them from the inside out because somebody that loves Jesus, you don't have to tell them what right or wrong is. You don't have to tell them what to do. They will automatically know it within their own conscience. You don't even have to tell them. If they would just love Jesus, it all works, and it all gets cleared up. 
Just like some of you, if you've been fornicating, messing around, getting drunk, and here I am preaching, you've got two choices, get condemned or get convicted. It's the only two choices you have. If you get condemned, you get mad. If you get convicted, you get delivered. The choice is yours. God loves you either way. Don't do anything. Just keep going. Come back the next time. Maybe come back for a year, maybe two, maybe three, maybe five, maybe ten, maybe seven, maybe twenty. I preached in a very large church, 6,000 people. The pastor had not given an altar call in many years. He was basically preaching motivational sermons based on secular humanistic books. But it made his church explode. I came in, I preached two services on Sunday morning, a total of about 6,000 people. Over 3,000 people got saved, came forward to get saved. He cried afterwards when he talked to me. He said, what have I done? I said, you have just left God. You have all these unsaved people who haven't even heard the gospel. And he went and preached on the cross for one whole year after that. He said, I feel so guilty. I'm just going to preach on the cross for a whole year. And for a whole year, he just preached on Jesus. Every day, get saved, get saved. <laughs> because he realized, what have I done? You see, Jesus can be your religious business. Just like anything else, if you're not having a relationship with Jesus, you're just being a religious person going to church out of guilt, which means you're not going to stay in church very long and you won't last very long. You're just going to stay as long as you can handle the guilt and the shame and the hassle and the burdens and the problems and all of that. But when you love Jesus, then all kinds of miracles begin to happen. Praise the Lord. Look at three people and say, there's no racist in heaven. Why is that? Because when you love Jesus, he makes you love everybody he loves. Everybody he cares about, you care about. Because you absorb him when you're in fellowship with him. How do you know somebody loves Jesus? Because of the way they treat you when you offend them. And how do you know somebody that doesn't love Jesus? By the way they treat you when you offend them. If they have stopped talking to you and have nothing to do with you for the rest of your life, you know those people don't love Jesus. And we're not speaking of dangerous activity. We're talking about normal things, any little normal thing. We're not talking about shooting their, their family or something like that. But we're talking about, you know, just all the little things people destroy themselves over and disconnect from each other so quickly because the love of God is not in the heart. And I'm just calling you back to Jesus this morning, brothers and sisters. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm certainly not trying to condemn you. But I'm trying to give you some reality checks that Christianity for you may be a lie. And what you have right now may not be the actual truth. And that we need to come back to Jesus and to having a love relationship with Jesus. Because your cussing leaves when you love Jesus. You can't throw the finger at people anymore. But if you don't, especially during those moments, boom, it's flying out of there. Praise the Lord. Look at three people and say, why does he keep saying that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you have the Pentecostal Jesus. The Pentecostal Jesus is the Jesus where it's all about emotionalism and extravagant extremist, extremism and extreme behavioral manifestations of the soul. 
So you can have people that are saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and speak in tongues and be the meanest people in town. It doesn't mean you love Jesus. Anything of God makes you more beautiful. It makes you softer, kinder, more tender, more tolerant, more understanding, more faithful, softer, and more forgiving. And if the world is going to be changed by the church, it's not going to be changed by the church of today. It's got to be changed by the kind of love Jesus had, which was very powerful and very supernatural and very divine. You can have a military Jesus. A military Jesus is simple like this. Some people are more comfortable going to God like he's a general, getting their orders and given their mission, and then they go out and complete their mission and come back for more orders. They're not necessarily interested in knowing the general or having a relationship with the general. They respect him and they honor him and they obey him, but they don't have a personal relationship with him. They just want to be given a mission and they're going to go accomplish that mission and they're happy to do that till they die. But Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit have to know you. You can't just hide behind deeds. Your insides must be owned by God. And there must be an intimate communion that takes place between you and God. It may not be your personality, but it will be what you need the most. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody next to you and say, Hala, hala. You have a denominational Jesus, which unless you go to that church, you're not going to heaven. So anybody that doesn't go to that particular church, you're not going to heaven. Unless you go to that church. And that's a denominational Jesus, and he doesn't exist. Jesus didn't die for a denomination. He died for the whole entire world and everybody in it. Every color, everybody. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and hug somebody and say, your hair is very interesting. <laughs> you have a deaf and mute Jesus, and this is the kind of relationship most Christians have, deaf and mute. It means that you talk to God, but he never talks back. And when you do talk to him, he never answers you. And a lot of people have that relationship, a historical relationship, the mean Jesus. You have all kinds of unloving Jesuses and all that. But the kind of Jesus that we are the Jesus of the Bible, that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's lists of beauty, beautiful attributes that Jesus has and that Jesus carries. I'll end with this. In John 14, 21, Jesus asked Simon a question. Simon, who is his disciple, he is the disciple of Jesus. So roll that over till today. He is one of Jesus' number one followers, very vocal, very committed, very strong, very passionate, and very given. And Jesus asks him a question. Simon, do you love me? Simon says, yes, you know I love you. Of course I love you. I mean, what are you talking about? Wash my whole body, not just my feet. Call me out of the boat. I want to walk on water. This Peter, never ashamed, just did whatever. Simon, a second time, do you love me? 
Then he got frustrated. Yes, I love you. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you keep asking me? Then the third time, Jesus, do you love me? I mean, uh, Simon, do you love me? And he really got frustrated then. Okay, Lord, my gosh. You know everything. Why are you asking me? If you look that up, when it says, Simon, do you love me? The word love me that Jesus asked Simon is the word agape. Do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally with all your heart, soul, mind, without reserve? That is the question. However, when Simon answers him, he says, I phileo you. I respect you as a person that I understand and that I really look up to. But he never answers him, I agape you. Because he wasn't there. And as you know, he later denied Jesus three times and was ashamed of him and went out weeping and crying. But when he came back after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he came back in the flaming fire and passion and power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not about you going to heaven or not or you being a good servant of God. It's whether you have a loving relationship with him. And if you don't, how can you have one? And we'll talk about that tonight and open it up. Praise the Lord. Close your eyes, if you would, with me for a little bit. Play whatever music you have. And I want you to think tonight, oh, Miss Laura, I wonder if I could get you maybe to just play that song, uh, Forever I Will Love You. I will... You sang it tonight, I will love you, the Lord my God. Uh, hallelujah and all that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This morning, hopefully you hear a sound from heaven. Hopefully you hear a sound from heaven this morning. A voice crying out from the depths of your soul. Saying to you, Simon, do you love me? Not do you believe in me. Not do you respect me. Not do you fear me. Not do you honor me. Not do you serve me. But do you love me? Are we in a relationship of intimate love? Are there exchanges of intimacy taking place? Or have you forgotten the features of his face? Have you forgotten the sweet memories of when he reached down from heaven and drew you out of the miry clay and out of the pit of darkness that you were in? Do you remember how good God has been to you? How he saved your wicked soul and cleansed you and forgave you and has saved many of your family members or has your heart gotten cold towards him not the idea of him you love the idea of him you would never say I don't love God but in practical real terms of a relationship do you spend time alone with God every day do you have fellowship with God every day do you talk to God every day? Not one-way conversations. 
whoever you are today, I hope you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit calling out to you, saying, come back to me. Come back to fellowshipping with me. Get to know me because it'll cure you of all the diseases of life. It'll take away the rocks and the calluses of the heart and the soul. Oh, how I love Jesus. May we come back to that song and to that place. I keep falling in love with him over and over again. My Jesus, I love thee. My Jesus, I love thee. My Jesus, my Jesus, my Jesus, my Jesus, I love thee, for thou art mine. Thank you, Jesus, for hanging on Calvary's cross, for taking all my sins and all the consequences of all my rebellious years and all my rebellious life. Thank you, Jesus, for believing in me and trusting me when no one else would believe on and in me. Thank you, Jesus, for never giving up on me and giving me hope when I gave up on myself so many times and I had disappointed you so many times and you never acted angry and you never acted mad and you never turned your back on me and you never rejected me and you never kicked me out of your house. You never said you're like a stray dog that I'm taking in. You never said you're, you're the black sheep of my family. You never treated me like a son or, that you didn't want to have. Or someone that was left at your doorstep. You've always opened your arms, Jesus. You've always held out your arms to me. You've wrapped your arms around me day and night. In the coldest times, in the dark times, in the battles of life, in the moments when you didn't know what would happen in the future, in the hours where you could not control what was going on, but you needed it to be controlled. He's calling out to you today. He wants you back. If you were to die today, can you say that you are 100% sure that you are going to go to heaven? Can you say, I have absolutely no doubts whatsoever that if I died today, I would go straight to heaven? Because if you're here and you say, I don't know, I'm not 100% sure, then this service was designed for you and for your life and for your future. Listen as Laura sings this. And ask yourself deep in your heart, Am I 100% sure if I died right now, I would go to heaven? I have 
absolutely no doubts. I'm going to ask you this question now. Ask you to do something simple right there where you're sitting. If you say, I want that peace in my heart. I want to know that and have that assurance and live with that assurance for the rest of my life. If that is you and you say, I want that, all I'm going to ask you to do right there where you're sitting is to lift your hand up right now. Lift it high enough for me to see. And then I'm going to pray for you. And God is going to do a miracle for you. Oh my gosh. Look at all the hands going up, Lord. Stretch them out where he can see it without shame. Stretch those hands out. He sees them everywhere going up. There and there. And there and there and there and there and there and there and there. And there and there and there and there and there. Stretch them out for Jesus to see. Let him know that you're not ashamed that you need him. Now, if you lifted your hand, I want you to stand right there where you're at so I can pray for you. Quickly stand to your feet if you lifted your hand. And let's settle this issue for the rest of your life. And let's begin a life of a beautiful relationship where you are not ashamed. Every one of you that's standing, may I pray for you? May I have your permission to lead you in a prayer? I will not make you say anything to anybody. But if you give me permission, would you wave your hand at me? I will not embarrass you, but I want to lead you in this prayer. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in front of people, I'll be ashamed of you. In front of my Father. He said, if you're not ashamed of me in front of people, then I will personally introduce you to my Father and say they were not ashamed of me. Now, everybody that's standing, would you do this? Would you simply walk up here for a minute and let me look into your face and lead you in this prayer? And please give them a hand right now for coming. Leave those seats and walk up here in front of heaven, in front of all the world. And I want you to clap like you really care, like the decision makes a difference. Maybe it's even your own child, your own son, your own father, your own mother, your own brother, your own sister, whatever it may be, so that issues are settled for eternity and things change. Let me say this to all of you that came here forward. In this life, you can't guarantee that the people you ask to forgive you will forgive you. Some will not. <coughs> Some people, you may ask them to forgive you and they're not going to do it. And you must live with it. Others, you ask them to forgive you and they say, yes, I want to forgive you. And they try. Till the next time you hurt them. Then they bring up everything that they forgave you for. Because they can't forget pain. God knows that you cannot leave this building today with a monkey on your back with a corpse hanging off you of guilt, shame, and accusation, fear, doubt, pain. He knows you can't walk out like that. So he doesn't just forgive you like we do. He forgets. 
The Bible says he makes himself forget what it is you did that makes you feel guilty and ashamed. It is not just forgiven. It is erased from God's memory. So that when you walk out the door, you walk out a free man and a free woman with no accusations against you. And, and God's the only one that can do it. Nobody else can do it. Would everybody close your eyes for one more time as I feel there's still some of you that did not come forward? Perhaps you're shy. Perhaps you're afraid. But I feel it in my heart. There's still three or four of you. So I'm going to give you these few seconds to do a very brave thing. Get up and walk forward and say, I want to make peace for the rest of my life. If that's you, would you stand up right now and walk up here? Just force yourself to do what your heart tells you is the right thing. Would you stretch your hands out towards these that are up here and let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me for everything that I've ever done. Wash me clean. Purify me. For I repent and turn my back on Satan and his plan for my life. I reject worldliness and open my heart to you. I invite you, Jesus, come into my heart and stay there for the rest of my life. And now, God, I forgive all those that have hurt me. And now, God, I forgive myself. I forgive myself. I let myself be forgiven by God and start all over again. This is the beginning of a new day and a new life. Wash me in your blood. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life so that I may never doubt again and know that I know that I know that when I die, I will go to heaven. I love you, Jesus. Teach me how to love you. Teach me, God, never to leave you again in my heart. I'm going to heaven. My name is in the book. And the devil is a liar. Would you all turn around and face the church without any shame or embarrassment? Would you turn around and face the church? And ladies and gentlemen, can you celebrate the decision of these men and women? Could you celebrate them right now like they've never been celebrated and clap your hands for them and, and thank God for the good things that God has in store for all of their lives, saved and those that are just getting saved and those that had their doubts removed. Praise the Lord. Now let's all praise God for a little bit. Say thank you, Jesus. Would you look at the person next to you and tell him I love you? Be seated. This is our last thought. 
The last thought, we will have church tonight at 6 o'clock. Is that right? At 6.30 tonight, we will have church. I want to thank the church for all that you have done to make the dreams of orphans come true. Because if there is a church that's doing that, then I know it's a living waters church. It's a good thing to have good friends in your life to care about. Praise the Lord. This year, we're building a vocational school to make the dreams of young men come true. And this year, by the mercies of God, we're going to build a hospital for malnourished children. We're going to save their lives. They're going to grow up healthy and live and serve God. And we're going to have a surgical unit and fix, fix their cleft palates and give them their faces back. And I want to thank you before I ever ask you for anything. Because I already know you folks have no limits to your faith. And I thank you for it and I appreciate it. Praise the Lord. Brother Robert. God bless. Well, I, I know that there's some of you here because I, I see some of your faces and I know you have here for the whole time about giving to Kenya and stuff. And so ushers, help me right quick. And let's just take up another offering. If you if you're here and you want to give. And, and get into the, the ministry going on here. You may This may be your first day of ever uh, knowing and coming into agreement with the Tates. And so praise God, you can do that with an offering. So ushers, just help me quickly. Anybody needs an offering envelope, lift up your hands. And so put your hand on your offering or pray with me. Lord, we just want to bless them. Lord, there's no amount of money, there's no amount of dollars that can ever put on things of the Spirit. And so, Lord, I just thank you for our agreement with them. I thank you, Lord, even for what he just said about hospitals and feeding centers and, 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 and uh, schools, Lord God. Lord, I, I just believe you that we're going to be a big part of that. I just thank you, Lord, for your hand on it. And, Lord, we just want to bless them right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So thank you for being here this morning. Look, I, I looked over there at, at uh, Brother Ivan's book table is over here there'll be somebody there for you you don't there's there's good stuff over there you do not want to miss so you can go by there visit that it'll also be here tonight 6 30. now he just preached to us and if we want to practice what we preach that if you if you know jesus you love him you want to share him with everybody so why not bring a friend back tonight call somebody up and say there's a there's a most wild crazy preacher you've ever heard in life you need to come hear him tonight i'm picking you up let's go amen so stand to your feet look at the person around you and say i'll see you tonight praise the lord for those of you that gave your life to christ today for the first time man god bless you and welcome to the family 
greatest days of your life are to starting today. Amen. So y'all lift a hand to heaven. Lord, I just declare that you are so awesome, so mighty. Lord, so spectacular. We love this day. We love being here with you. We love telling people about you because you have changed our lives. So Lord, I just declare that today is a new day. And that, Lord, we're going to serve you with all of our hearts. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. Bless them, Lord. Bring us back together again tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you.